0: welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast i'm one of your hosts cody stoffer
1: i'm your other co-host simon villanos
0: and liam hughes and today we're going to be breaking down some more notable juco guys and uh or juco guy and ronald ollie and some more last chance you recap and reactions and episode three really starts to pick up in intensity and heat i'd say and um I'm excited to talk about it. So we got Ronald Al- Ollie today, defensive lineman who played at Nichols State at the FCS level for a little bit, and then at, was it Eastern Mississippi, right? Yes, EMCC. Another, another EMCC guy that uh, Simon was able to find off of Last Chance U. And Simon, if you want to kind of give us the DL on Ronald Ollie and his story... Heading into his JUCO days, and then we'll break down his film.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Ronald Ollie. Honestly, he's one of the faces of Last Chance U. In my opinion, he was a huge reason why Last Chance U became as successful and as entertaining as it is. Because honestly, Ronald Ollie is just a funny guy. He's an entertaining dude to watch. And like his energy and everything that he brings to the table just as a person is is definitely something to keep in mind you know and and it's good but yeah it's good you know because he's honestly he just comes across as a very genuine and nice guy you know what i mean and so with last chance you obviously there are some darker tones to this um show just because everyone's honestly everyone that is at a juco except for maybe coaches and teachers like they're there because their lives didn't go as they planned and it's probably because of s- something bad happened you know but it was good to have someone like uh you know like ollie on there who could kind of lighten that mood and joke around and be that comic relief that was sorely needed you know and so all that being said it was also one of the most elite players to play on last chance too. honestly one of the best defensive tackles so his story is real interesting. He was a three-star guy coming out of high school, but he really didn't. I don't know. I, I don't think he really got any offers to any D ones. I don't think so. From what I've seen, he's only really gotten D offers from
0: your- here. When, <coughs> when I was looking at his on. when I was looking at his high school stuff, he wasn't even rated by ESPN. Okay.
1: Well, there you go. I don't know. Someone gave him a two or three star offer, but the thing is like, you know you're not going to be rated if you don't uh academically qualify to play you know what i'm saying does, does that make any sense
0: yeah absolutely
1: okay because there are plenty of dudes who are like talented but they're not going to get a you know any star rating if they don't academically qualify that's just how that works so yeah but basically he, he grew up in mississippi so he had scholars well, yeah, I guess he did. He had some scholarship offers from three Mississippi community colleges. And <laughs> this is his words. But he said he basically just picked a random one. And it happened to be EMCC. So there he was. And he ended up there. Partially, I think in my opinion, partially because his grades just weren't, yes, up to snuff. You know, like they just weren't good. I don't know how he graduated high school. Well, and this is in the words of the counselor over at EMCC. She said, I don't know how he graduated high school, but he did, and now here he is. And that's how it goes for a lot of the kiddos there. So honestly, he was there mostly to, you know, get his grades what get his grades right and then move on to the next level, if that makes sense. And honestly, I am not gonna go too far deep into Ronald Ollie's backstory because it would it would it would it would spoil a not a lot of last chance you but a significant amount all i'm gonna say is that at a very young age his father murdered his mother and then his father killed himself so oh my god yeah ronald ollie was there for all of it as a little five-year-old so he really didn't have really didn't have many consistent parent figures in his life so His maturity in a way is kind of a a reflection of that. Just, I guess, in some ways, just not being able to accept not only that, but a lot of other things that happened in his life and just being kind of, you know, uh, just immature and just feeling like he's maybe not as supported as he could be and just kind of being in an unstable situation. And he's honestly just one of those guys that I feel like deep down just wants stability in life wherever it is. You know and if it means not fulfilling his full potential and settling then he would do it so yeah, but anyways there, when we get to that season there's going to be a lot to it but i i just wanted to throw that out there just to keep in mind as we talk about him anyways so we watched his juco film what do y'all think are some strengths of ronald ollie the defensive tackle 62 2 292 emcc
2: yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, the man flies to the ball, and he's got a, he's got like maybe one of the greatest eyes for the ball as far as like a D lineman that I've ever seen, um, at least at a college level. Um, and he he knows where the ball is basically at all times, at least on the you know the highlights that we watched. Um, and he attacks it. And by attack, I mean attack. And he goes for the kill on every play. So, like, one, a great motor and just has phenomenal awareness of where the ball carrier is at all times.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's really good at finishing his tackles, too.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Big time. Um,
0: yeah.
1: What about you, Cody?
0: So, I'm going to have to echo Liam's sentiment on. His eyes was the first thing that I noticed, really. Just that he but like every single time he engaged a blocker, he wasn't looking at the offensive lineman. He was looking to yeah. find where the ball was. <coughs> Fuck. Anyway. So, um, I me today. So, his his ability to, and also I wanted to note that on top of that, as soon as his eyes were up he was able to recognize a lot of plays one play in particular that caught my attention was that it was like a sweep or like a toss play out of shotgun and Mm -hmm. from his interior lineman position he recognized that and he flew all the way to the outside to make the tackle and just that play recognition from a defensive lineman is not really expected so i really liked seeing that i also noticed that his hands So, you know, I got my three and three here, his, his hands were really fast and he was also really strong. Like as soon as he got his hands on you, it was, it was over for whoever the offensive lineman was. Right. And he could just move them side to side or whichever direction that he wanted to. And on top of that, like my last strength is that he has a bunch of moves and he was doubled. I want to say like almost 50 or 40% of the plays that I watched on that highlight reel just because of how much of a threat he is he has to be doubled but he has spin moves he has shove moves he has swim moves like he has a bunch of really good finesse moves which was also really nice for a defensive lineman
1: yeah absolutely you know i'll have to echo a lot of that honestly so ronald ollie i i think we all kind of could tell that maybe he's not the strongest like defensive tackle but he's still pretty good you know because you don't honestly have to be the strongest defensive lineman as long as you always well maybe not always but as long as you consistently win leverages and you know i guess know your surroundings and know how you as a player work you'll be fine and that's what ronald ollie did he has a wide variety of moves like you said cody and he could use them all in an instant and honestly it's just very reactional too you know what I mean? Like, you could tell it's not premeditated, like, what he wants to do. Like, he just reacts to it, you know? Because I, I specifically remember a play on the goal line. He gets doubled. It's a dive. You know, the center and the guard both um, double team him. He, like, kind of leans into the blocks and then pulls off a quick spin move. Like, almost I guess in sync with the running back hitting the hole so that he would meet the running back at the same time. And like he just drove him back into the ground too and that was a great stop and it was such a beautiful spin like he set it up so well like getting the leverage and you know putting those two guys in position and then just making it happen and so that's just an excellent example of how technically sound Ronald Ali is and I mean we've talked about this before Um, just not just offensive linemen but linemen in general coming out of high school even honestly at the juco level as well aren't usually technically sound you know like you'd be lucky if if they could you know pull off a spin move or a swim move every now and then right um but ronald ali looks very comfortable doing whatever he wants and honestly he's not the strongest dude you could tell because if he was then he'd be driving linemen like back consistently he does have some pretty strong hands, and he and he's really good at finding that leverage and just winning, you know, and doing whatever he wants. And he's just and that that takes a lot of technicalities and just being very technical with your craft and working hard at it to get to that level of not overthinking, you know, what move you're gonna do next, but just being reactionary, being autonomous to a degree as well. And so that's something that's really impressive to me obviously he also has prototypical you know defensive tackle size 6'2 292 um that's the lower end weight too like honestly he he could he's probably closer to 300 310 pounds and that's really good you know um considering he didn't have the most facilities and whatnot and that's at that point that's just natural like weight and height so that's really those are really good for ronald ollie as well and here let me make sure i'm not missing anything before we move on um but yeah oh and he he moves well laterally i don't know if y'all mentioned that yet but he, he moves surprisingly like quick and fast for a defensive tackle for someone who's supposed to be close to 300 pounds this dude could fly all right like he's not let's not i'm not gonna get too carried away but i would say he has really good speed for a defensive tackle like there are a couple plays where he just tracks down a running back on sweep and stretch plays very well and beats them to the sideline and like, you know, tackles them for no game or for a loss. And it's happened multiple times. Specifically, there was another goal line play where they ran a sweep and Ronald Ollie, you could see it because you could see there's a corner behind him that is taking the angle just in case as well. But Ronald Ali basically keeps pace With the corner that's running behind it, maybe even a little bit faster and just completely obliterates this running back and beats him to the outside, which is kind of scary for someone who's 300 pounds. So, yeah, honestly, he's really good. In my opinion, he is easily a D1 talent. He probably could have went SEC, should have went SEC, but a lot of things happened, And, you know, in my opinion, those are a lot of the reasons why he went FCS. Uh, his weaknesses that is so let's talk weaknesses um do either of y'all want to start or do y'all want me to go ahead
0: i i I feel like i could start so um i'd say one weakness that kind of jumped out to me pretty fast technique wise was his stance was like it he wasn't really leaned down athletically if that makes sense so sometimes he's kind of slow to stand up and just thinking about how much faster he would be if he if he was in a more athletic stance that was more conducive to, like, a fast get-off, just imagining how much better he'd be if he didn't have to stand up and then run first, if that makes sense. Like, his three-point stance is very vertical, I would say, rather than, okay. like, angled. So, and, and, you know, I think that <clears throat> he kind of addresses that later. And then, also, this, I guess this isn't, like, a weakness against him but like also there wasn't a ton of film against the pass where he was in on pass plays so i mean that's definitely something that like can be held against him a- as far as like from a scout perspective because it's like well can we leave this guy in on third downs right so those were two that jumped out to me kind of fast and then i don't know i'd say that like Uh, He just feels like almost too fast to be an interior defensive lineman, you know, and uh, we talked about it like he's good at his hands are fast and strong, but he doesn't use any bull rush moves. So as a scout to me, that's saying like maybe this guy isn't that strong, at least from kind of that, that push perspective, right? Like I never see him put an offensive lineman into the lap of a running back, right? Which is something that's nice to have, especially on the interior, to blow up big plays. Oh. Simon, you want to I oh. completely
2: agree. Uh, in, I think the only real. Because I'm not sure if there's a lot of. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of weaknesses with his technique other than what you mentioned. Uh, the only thing that I could say is he just seems a little bit undersized. And maybe just a little bit underweight and under strength. But he's, sure. uh, he, you know, he makes up for it. Going, you know, into higher caliber offensive lines, maybe that won't work as much. And maybe he'd have to uh, play either like edge, like a, a, like a small edge, going forward, or uh, maybe even swap to middle linebacker. I mean, he's got the speed for middle linebacker. It's weird, you know.
1: Sure, yeah, I could, I could see a little. It would be weird for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, he'd be obviously up on the slower end as a middle linebacker, but he could probably play it.
2: Right. That's. I mean, he's kind of one of those people who's like stuck in the middle, right in the middle of like two, two positions. Oh, uh, but I get he, that. I don't know. That would be my only weakness. Is just like a little bit undersized, a little bit under strength, but. You can work on the strength obviously you can't really work on the size until we get some uh, some good surgery going but
1: that all you did you hear me
2: what's up what? I said is that all oh yeah yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh you're good
1: yeah all right sweet um yeah the size could de- he definitely looked a little bit lighter than what he was listed at I I mean I'm not gonna hold that against him he's at a community college and this dude I mean This is like the first time he's actually able to have legit meals every day. So, I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, so that's that. But there are some things that we we could definitely nitpick at. And we are nitpicking, to be honest. We definitely are when it comes to high caliber talent like him. Because he is a D1 guy. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, that's scouting, you know. Sometimes you're just going to nitpick. So, um... Like address what Cody said because it kind of has to do with the weakness I'm going to bring up but Cody you did talk about you know how his stance wasn't as good as it could be and how there really weren't any pass rushing highlights at all you know and I'm just gonna be honest I think it's because well okay I don't think I know it's because of his inconsistency with that and his I don't want to say he's lazy But his work ethic is very inconsistent like there are times he works really hard and then there are times he just completely checks out and that has nothing to do with how well he plays uh, or i guess that has nothing to do with his talent that has more to do with his mentality and so it's it's kind of weird like it's a little bit of an immaturity thing for sure you know because you know having a you know the stance and all that that's not a big deal you know like honestly it could be fixed right away like in less than i don't know in less than an hour honestly and that's really nothing and he knows that he knows that but he'll still look he'll still look sloppy right like he still won't clean that up and that's kind of a big deal when it comes to past plays um i know y'all weren't able to see many like full games of him playing because it was really mostly highlights But there are definitely past plays where if he gets double teamed or possibly even triple teamed, like he almost kind of gives up and blah, that's it, you know, and the play ends and he he gets blocked. Or I guess a better way of saying it is he allows himself to get blocked because we know he could easily wiggle his way out of it as we'll see, uh, you know, in future film. But yeah, I mean, he just, he just gets lazy and you no, know, that's definitely a concern. Like, is this a guy that we, that could pass rush and could, you know, be used on all three downs. That's definitely a concern for sure, but it's not because of the talent. It's because he probably doesn't, I don't know. He probably doesn't break down, I guess, pass blocking techniques as well as he does run blocking techniques. Cause here's the thing. Now, when you're run blocking, like you're running forward, right? So if you're a defensive lineman, you kind of know to like, all right, no, you're going to use the momentum and whatnot. And either you're going to slingshot yourself around, or you're going to use a move or you're going to, or, you know, depending on where alignment is, uh, sorry, where alignment is run blocking, you know, you'll anticipate where the ball carrier is going to be, and you're going to find a way to get there. And so that's, that's, you know, that's run blocking. The pass blocking, however, know, it is you, the defensive lineman who has to initiate the contact primarily and be the aggressor, you know, and obviously, you know, you could be the aggressor as a run as a run stopper, but obviously, you know, there are more, I guess, tells to where the ball is going to be with pass blocking. It's straight up like, all right, it's you and me, like who who's going to win? Like it's one on one, you and me, either I'm going to whoop you or you're going to whoop me. So let's go and you got 3 seconds to do it by the way. So, there you go. Even if you do beat me, you and you still got 3 seconds to do it and if you don't then you're unsuccessful. So, boom, there you go. And so pass plays could be very demoralizing for defensive linemen who, you know, they may beat the guy, but they're just not fast enough and they just can't, you know, they're just they just don't get there quick enough. So, those could definitely get demoralizing, especially When you get double teamed and you beat the double team only to have a running, a little running back diving at your knees or ankles, and then you get taken out by him because you just, you weren't ready. And by then, you know, five or six seconds went by. So for Ronald Ali, it was very apparent, at least in the TV show and, you know, through some games that I watched in general that he would get a little, I guess, you know, just demotivated. Like he just wasn't motivated to like really beat these like not just the guy in front of him, but the entire offensive line and that's kind of a mentality that you want out of defensive linemen you want them to be dogs you want them to be you know having a little bit of a virus mentality like yo you know straight up like kind of to a degree straight up like i don't care if you know if you beat me or not i just want or sorry i don't care if we win or lose i just want to whoop you and i just want to destroy you Straight up. And there are times where that aggression is just not there for Ronald Ollie. That's because he sometimes he just checks out. and That's it's very apparent as you watch the film as well. Um, another thing is and this ties into that as well is work ethic issues, immaturity um, just off the field. I don't think he's ever really gotten into trouble um, off the field, like legally. But, you know, grades, he really struggled to, like, maintain the minimum to to play which is like a 2.3 you know he struggled he could do it you know he could absolutely do it but he struggled to do that for sure and it's not because he's stupid that's an idiotic thing to say it's because you know um well honestly it's because the ah, shoot i don't want to call the school system out but i would do it because i am part of the school system now Honestly, it's because the Mississippi school system failed him and kind of just let him through, even though he had no qualifications whatsoever to realistically graduate high school. So they really didn't prepare him like that. Yeah, so not a lot of people are holding him accountable. So they're saying like, hey, you know, he's a big football star. So, you know, why does it matter that he can't write a paragraph? Or why does it matter that he doesn't know where to put a period? Or a comma or whatever. Let's just pass him so we could play on Friday. And so that's very apparent as he struggles through with, I guess, work ethic issues. Because he's used to kind of getting his way. And then maturity issues as well. And honestly, like, that's not his fault. Because he eventually, sh- like, like he I don't think he's inherently lazy or anything like that. Because he definitely shapes up in a very great way. You know? So... At that point, it's really, so what are the people around him doing to help him succeed? Because before he came to EMCC, apparently it was nothing, honestly, but to survive and to make sure, you know, he doesn't die or go to jail, which is cool. But at the same time, you got to do a little bit better school system. So here you go. Yeah, those are my weaknesses of Ronald Allian. Honestly, those show and like, it's, it's very... Of sad because he definitely in the show he said he wanted to go to Auburn and he is most definitely an Auburn type of defensive tackle. But if you can't like academically keep up, then they're not going to take a chance on you because, well, like they don't that's kind of a big risk. Like, what's the point of having a great talent if you're just going to be a practice squad player? You know, what's the point of bringing in a great talent, giving him a full ride scholarship if he's just going to be a practice squad player? So, yeah. But, yeah, that's all I got to say about Juco version of Ronald Ali. He still won FCS, though. Um, are going to see this. but He definitely told this school that he didn't want to play for them because they weren't good enough for him. That was a pretty stupid thing to say. But, obviously, he took it back, and, you know, a lot of things happened. But, uh, yeah. I think it was a school. It might have been another school. But, anyways.
0: Yep, so we got some fcs Nichols state films review on ronald ali coming up next
1: what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast and here we're gonna talk about the next era of ronald ali's playing career at Nichols state so i gotta give a little bit of backstory <laughs> he still didn't really have his stuff together so I want to say it was 2017, right? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. 2017, the 2017 season, he committed to nickel State, and he basically took the whole year off just because I, I mean, I don't know. Like He, he just took the whole year off and I think he, it was very well needed because he needed to get his mind right. And he kind of just needed to grow up. You know, and so he went to Nichols State and followed his, uh, actually his former teammate, the other guy that played defensive tackle, Marcellus, over to Nichols, who did play that season, by the way. And so I think Ronald Ollie really just chose this place because, you know, he knew somebody that was going. Partially. Also has really good facilities. So on paper, you know, it looked like a good idea, but when he got there, it, I don't know, something must have happened. But he took that year off went off and he actually started training with a really good trainer out of Houston, you know, who not only trained him as a as a player, but trained it but I guess mentored him as a person and was kind of the first well maybe not the first but a really big um component in his development as a mature young adult or as a growing mature young adult. And he kind of just helped Ronald Alley get out of his own mind and You know, become a little bit more mature. And so he actually helped solve a couple more maturity issues that were apparent, not only at EMCC, but Nichols State as well. But when he did play at Nichols, he only played one year in 2018, I want to say. And, you know, he honestly played great. He led one of the best defenses in the FCS. They ranked second in sacks, third in tackles for losses, and ninth in scoring and rushing. And Ronald Ollie was a huge part of all of that because, and this is, this is going to add, I mean, this, okay, my bad. Let me get it together. (coughs) But yeah, so Ronald Ollie was a big leader for that uh, top ranked FCS defense. And so this is my strength for the nickel state version of Ronald Ollie. but he honestly just produced and he just played really good football and he was on a very good statistical defense. And. Honestly as a defensive tackle sometimes you're just not going to, you know, um stuff the stat sheet and that's fine. A lot of the things that happen as a DT, a lot of the success that happens as a DT are you know, honestly not seen in our Canada's other people's stats. So the fact that he was on a great defense says a lot. And so he did have 13 13 and a half tackles for losses, five sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, and then I think a touchdown it was kind of an insane like 60 yard bumble recovery touchdown Um, so yeah, there you go and he showed off a little bit of his speed there and then he ended that regular season with a sack In each of the last three games and then I think he made some noise in the playoffs as well So honestly, it was very good. I mean, it was a very good sign that he was just productive You know at this next level at the fcs level, which is still d1 no, and honestly, he had a lot of the same strengths as he did at EMCC, but Cody, Liam, why don't y'all talk about some of his other strengths at Nickel
0: State? Liam, you mind if I go first? No, no, no. So the first thing that I absolutely loved about his Nichols State film was his product, his production against the pass. Like, yeah. he was an excellent pass rusher, and his play recognition also, you know showed itself on screenplays. A lot of the time he met the running back at the ball, or he was able to beat the running back to the sideline because he knew where the ball was going on screenplays. Like, you know, I feel like that's really hard. And that's asking a lot of your D linemen to recognize that from like a first person kind of view, you know what I'm saying? So for him to be able to do that as fast as he did and coupled with his speed, he got faster. It felt like at nickel state because he was Oh my gosh he was flying around the field at lightning speeds it felt like and that was another strength of mine for him was just how much faster he got and how much better he got against the pass like those strengths were insane and it made him dangerous and another thing that i wanted to add on was he was just an absolute playmaker you know you have that uh 64 yard fumble recovery touchdown that you talked about but He also returned a blocked field goal for a touchdown while at Nichols State. And for him to be making plays on multiple, I guess, aspects of the ball or multiple sides of the ball is just like scoring touchdowns from a defensive lineman to like two touchdowns in like two years or one year is insane. Like... (laughs) That's not asked. That's not asked of defensive (laughs) linemen, you know? So I also put that one of his strengths was just being a playmaker. He was also great at forcing fumbles. Like he has a great punch on the ball. So yeah, those are my strengths. He got faster. His production against the pass was light years ahead of where it was. I felt like at EMCC. And he also just made plays, whether it was forcing fumbles or scoring touchdowns, which is yeah, unprecedented for a defensive lineman. Yep. Nope. Yeah.
2: Him. I have to. I have to completely agree. And it looks like, um, you know, as he as he went further into his college career, I don't think he got any slower. In fact, I think he might have even gotten faster, which is kind of scary. Um, and building upon his strengths, which is always a good thing. You know what I mean? Oh. And crazy that he's. Um, as fast as he is. I mean, it, it looked like he got relatively smaller compared to the the uh, offensive lines that he was going up against, but not too much smaller. I mean, looked like a, maybe like a shorter Daniil Hunter kind of, like, because Daniil Hunter is like, he's not a small guy, but he, he looks lanky compared oh. to some of the other ends out there. Um, so kind of fit that look more in my mind. And looked good you know pulled off a bunch of stuff
1: and <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ball he did.
2: And, you know went crazy went wild really cool he balled out had fun yeah
1: oh. he did look like he was having fun he was in a much better mental spot that season for sure and it was apparent just by how fluid he was playing in yeah i mean cody you brought it up like he was much better against pass blocking and you know he really he got way more aggressive and really grinded you know to get there and you know he would fight off blocks and he he was impressive to me um but yeah do you want to talk weaknesses i guess i honestly don't have um a ton of new ones do you want to talk weaknesses real quick
2: i don't really have any new ones but yeah go ahead
1: go for it then
0: so i mean like you guys said it's a lot of the same uh you know i just didn't see him develop a bull rush of any kind um i just he didn't use his legs a whole lot while engaging blocks you know and i feel like maybe that's where like a lot of strength should be coming from as a d lineman and i just didn't see him using his legs a lot i mean there's just so many aspects that go into every position right and for a defense, for a lineman uh, specifically, you know, being low and pushing with your legs is how you win battles. And we just didn't see that. And I think that's where his lack of bull rush comes from is not trusting the use of his legs or not using his legs enough just because he's so good with his hands. But at some point, especially if you want to go to the NFL, you're going to have to use your legs and be able to push. You know what I'm saying? For sure. so. And I also say that like, you know, his his combine weight was really different from his playing weight at nickel state. And I think that that kind of had, like, I think he could have been even more explosive and even faster if he was able to shave a few pounds because just because you weigh more doesn't mean that you're stronger, right? So if he was able to cut that weight, you know, because he cut down to like 290 after the season and he played at 320 for most of his time at nickel state. So I think just like, cutting that weight and getting the right weight on there and specifically like developing more muscle in his legs would have been huge towards becoming a higher prospect in the NFL draft
1: yeah well, I get sure. that Um, to so to address the whole bull rush thing um, because I did play a bit D-line and I've coached a lot of it so yeah you're, you're right though legs are really important and I don't think he used those as well as he could have um, you know, when it comes to leverage, you know, pass rushing, I'll say for sure cuz that's pretty much when you're always going to use a bull rush unless you're trying to stop the run, but if you're going to stop the there, you know, there are more ways to stop the run. A bull rush isn't that big of a deal with that. But pass rushing wise, you want to use a bull rush to collapse the pocket, right? Or do your best to collapse the pocket. And yeah, you're right. He he didn't use his legs as he as well as he could have. But at the same time, I think No, he just doesn't have and this is a weakness for him he just doesn't have like elite power you know what i mean or elite strength he has you know he has all right good strength but he doesn't have elite you know or i guess very good at least strength or power Um, because yeah you know you're right it is good to get leverage, but ultimately you know to bull rush it is very important to not only have strong hands and you know there's a difference between having strong hands and like being strong because someone could have strong hands but not be I guess an overall like strong person if that makes sense because when you're bull rushing a lot of that I guess movement and technique well really there's not really much technique just get leverage and ram the guy down you know that's it it's important so with boris you just gotta get leverage and then you gotta you just gotta over you just gotta run the dude over that's it but you can't do that if you can't like you know if you don't have the if you're just not stronger than the other guy you know and that's i just don't think he is overly stronger and you got to be overly stronger than the other guy to a degree so a lot of that power in the bull rush comes from the biceps tries shoulders and i you know like i'm not saying he's weak there or or what but that is kind of what i'm saying as well you know like obviously he'll be able to work out and strengthen those but you know there's a difference between power and strength and using it and you know you could get bigger and that's cool but like if it doesn't translate towards strength because honestly everyone's body is different and everyone has just a natural cap when it comes to strength especially and speed and all that stuff as well and i just don't think you know that i guess uh ceiling is very high when it comes to strength for ronald Olly. so i don't really you know i don't really hold into the whole like i guess Like he can't bull rush or he's too weak because I know he's not weak. Honestly, strength and power is only really a problem for a defensive lineman when they start getting blown off the ball. And Ronald Ollie wasn't getting blown off the ball. He could hold somebody up. And at the very least, that's what you want. So you could live with that. You know, as long as there are other ways that you could pass rush, which he showed, you know, uh, he'll be okay. So there's that. But yeah, no, I definitely get that. The weakness is one thing because it kind of, I mean, he's not a complete player and that's okay you know you're not some players aren't going to be able to be perfect most of the time you know prospects going into the nfl aren't going to be perfect and that's just one of those things you know like he really can't control that a whole ton so there you go um i guess the only other strength really that i have for him is just the level of play because it is fcs so you know it's d1 but it's lower d1 so and you know and he's a defensive tackle too and like Really only one to two FCS defensive linemen get drafted a year. And most of those guys are edge rusher guys. So, you know, that's, that's really the only thing against Ronald Ollie. but again, can't really control. He's still got his chance though. So do we want to talk about his chance and how that went or do y'all know?
0: Yes. Okay. A little bit
1: want me to explain it or do you want to go for it
0: so i don't have go for it i don't have like the chronological order (laughs) but i know that he was with the raiders in training camp i think that was his first team and then he got cut and i think then i think he tried out for the ravens i think that was who was next and I'm pretty sure he actually managed to stay on their practice squad for a little bit. I, and I don't have like all the details on what went on, but I do know that he's currently signed to the Argonauts in the CFL yes. through 2022, actually. So not too bad of a contract really. Um, and I yep. think that he could dominate in the CFL honestly, because yeah. they're, they're just like the CFL's linemen aren't as big. And so I think his speed moves are going to overwhelm in the CFL. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right, Cody. Um, okay. So for the people out there, he didn't get drafted. There you go. Uh, so he was an undrafted guy with the Raiders. With the Raiders, it I mean, it kind of sucked. He was on hard knocks, so you could watch it all if you want. It's a whole <laughs> like two minutes. Basically, he like hurt his ankle And then to go to treatment, like the next day, he he didn't do that. And then, you know, Coach Gruden called him in the office and was like, hey, you know, how come you didn't go to treatment? Then Ronald Ollie said to him, I didn't know I had to go to treatment. Okay, so that was that. And then basically John Gruden cut him on the spot and that's it To me, that was kind of unfair, to be honest. Like, for real, treatment. But, I mean, obviously, like, look, if you're not, and this is a lesson to everyone if you get hurt, like, don't just, don't skip practice. You know, you should be doing something to get better, to get back. All right. And obviously, Ronald Ollie wasn't doing something. And that's something that he should have been doing was going to treatment or a sprained ankle, bro. Like, dude, come on. Like, just do it. That's it. so that's, that's that.
2: Yeah. That Went to Warren's the CFL. getting what? cut on the spot. But, uh, did you say? I said that's fair. I don't know if uh, that warrant's getting cut on the spot.
0: Well, John Gruden doesn't like having talent
2: on his team. So, yeah, especially young talent. He likes being the yeah. oldest team in the league.
1: Yeah, you know, John Gruden. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, we know <laughs> and love John Gruden for keeping oh, the we, Raiders yeah. in, the, in the cellar. But, anyways, yeah, in the grave. Yeah. <laughs>
1: For sure. But and honestly, I kinda so before he went with the Ravens, or actually before he went to the Raiders, there was interest with the Ravens, and he actually tweeted out that he was signing with them. But then something just happened and it fell through, and then the Raiders picked him up. But honestly, I kind of wish that he went to Baltimore over the Raiders. And I'm a Steelers fan. And that's just because I feel well, obviously John Harbaugh is a way better coach, but I also think he's just a way better like mentor. In general you yeah. know so he could good have thing. like walked him through much more
0: well yeah. and the ravens have they're so good at rotating through guys and keeping their front seven fresh and ronald awesome. ali would be a great contributor to that ravens front seven right now even. Uh,
2: oh. yeah and i think you know with a guy like ronald ali um how about I think he just understands talent better. I think he just has a better eye for yeah. talent than, than John Gruden does. So <laughs> yeah. knowing knowing I mean, what you're looking at and knowing the caliber of guy that you're looking at and seeing through, you know, maybe some of the personality issues to the deeper player and the deeper human being, you know, I feel like Harbaugh just gets that better.
0: Well, I also say, like, he he's more of a people person too. Yeah. So, Ooh. you know, just, just knowing or like even learning about ronald ollie's story i feel like harbaugh would be a way better mentor kind of like what uh simon was saying and helping him through the things that he didn't have growing up right so for sure
1: oh absolutely because honestly when it comes down to it like i know we always say like things that players could work on um okay so for ronald ollie i'd like to see him get stronger if possible but if not i'm not concerned about it You know, like he is a pretty smart player, he works pretty hard. He has a lot of the tools, you know. It's just a matter of getting used to that level of play. But honestly, he just he just needs to grow up a little, you know. He needs a coach that will not how should I say this? That that won't just coach him like you know as a player, but will coach him up as an adult, you know, because he needs that guidance and honestly. They they brought this up in the in that first season of last chance you with Ronald Dolly, But once he trusts somebody, like it's ride or die for him, you know? But it takes a while to get there. But once he finds somebody that he could absolutely trust, he'll do anything for that person. And he's he's just that type of guy. And that's someone that you that any coach would love to have, honestly. You know, just that person that if you get their trust, you know, they're they're gonna be a ride or die for you. They'll do whatever you want. They're not going to argue with it, argue with you about it. They're just going to do it because they know that you have their best interest in mind. So I honestly, I just hope that Ronald Ollie, you know, he matures a little bit. I think in the CFL with a long term deal, he has much more stability. Now, this is probably the most stability he's had with the team since high school. So that'll be good for him, you know, and or maybe since the wait wait a second you said through 2022 right
0: yes he
1: signed last year
0: Dang.
1: this year yes
0: or i think it was i think it was this year like okay, earlier well, this still year. yeah
1: well maybe okay then since emcc then well that's still a really good deal because you we all saw what he did at emcc and he killed it and he moved on to Nichols and he killed it oh uh, yeah. so yeah he just needs to mature and he'll be okay on um, i honestly think he'll be okay
2: Yeah, I think he'll
1: be back in the NFL soon enough
2: for sure. After his 2022 contract, I think it'll be either he'll become, you know, a hot commodity and they'll they'll pay him lots of money to stay or he'll be back in the NFL. And I don't think they got the money to keep him out of the NFL.
1: Probably not. Assuming, you know, everything goes well off the field as well. But yeah, yeah. Any any other comments, Cody? that
0: no not really uh, I'm excited to see what he does whenever the CFL gets rolling because they did cancel their season mm-hmm. um, so I and, and we'll see how that impacts contracts and stuff like that but I think a guy of Ronald Ollie's talent and uh, yeah just level of play will be able to make it through this pandemic and stay in the CFL um but sure. I, that I that that's all I have for uh Ronald Ollie today
1: Sweet. Did oh wait, did y'all have any uh pro comparisons? No. Hmm. It's okay if you don't.
0: Though no, I, I I didn't really because I i see him probably staying in the CFL That's unless right. um unless he just gets like bigger and stronger, like in the blink of an eye. But I think the CFL yeah. is a better fit for him anyway. And okay. plus they have uh <laughs> they have nice health benefits out there in uh Canada. So <laughs> it's it's, it's in, out in Canada, so it's not a bad setup.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I kind of have one. It's you know, for maybe it. me being very Broncos aware constantly. Um I think he's he's kind of like an undersized Derek Wolf in my mind where he's just okay. he just attacks the ball and just goes for it. Um, so that would be if we do a pro comparison, that would be my uh my ceiling for him.
1: Sweet, yeah. Well, I absolutely agree. I think I, I guess I'll start with Floor. I think his floor is well, obviously the CFL, but if we're talking NFL, I think he is a solid rotational type of guy. You know, maybe you could throw him in there on special teams as well. I think he'd be he'd hold his own for sure, you know, because he's athletic enough, um, at least right now, he is so i i could see him as a solid rotational special teamers type of guy honestly i can't see him as a starter i i could see him as a starter no um he i mean we've already mentioned it like he's not the strongest and whatnot so there's that i don't think it's that big of a deal though because there are plenty of defensive tackles that at least in my opinion that don't have that like elite explosive strength to completely blow somebody off the ball every play. And also, that's just not realistic. You're not gonna be able to blow somebody off the ball even the majority of the time. Maybe if you do it 40% of the time, that's pretty good. Cause the other 60, honestly, you gotta be moving as well. Like, you can't be, can't just blow up your guy. Like, what's that gonna do? Right? Like yeah. you gotta follow the ball. And I think speed and agility are valued, especially in the NFL where you got, you know, as time goes on. You know bigger freaks of nature dudes who are just naturally big and fast like a derrick henry type you know and you gotta have defensive linemen that could keep pace and i think right. ronald ollie could do that so i think he could be a starter i'm not gonna say a pro bowler or anything like that not but i think he could be a pretty good like solid maybe five to six year starter potentially you know maybe flirt with a pro bowl you never know yeah but yeah
2: we're
0: Well, if that does it for our Ollie analysis, then are you guys good to jump over to Last Chance You Recap?
1: Yeah, Let's let's do it. Episode three.
0: Coming up next.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Playmakers Corner. With this segment, we're going to be talking about episode three over at Laney College, uh, Last Chance You. And it was, it was pretty good. Not a whole lot of... Uh, I don't know. There was some drama, but maybe not the most drama that we've uh, seen yet. Yeah. Do you guys have any, uh, have any opinions on what happened this week?
1: So, I feel like... So each episode kind of has a theme right you now the sure. first episode is always like an introductory and then the second episode was pretty much about coach beam and his legacy with oakland right yeah. and then this one in my opinion was very much about mental health like the struggles i guess the struggles of this next generation of athletes and how coaches should or try to understand them am i off the mark does that make sense
0: no, I, I think that's spot on. And I think that's why it was one of my more favorite. Well, probably my favorite episode up until this point. So and Simon, I, I'm picking up on because uh, you, you told me before I started watching this, like especially with my interest in sports psychology, uh, as far as grad school goes later on, you're like, mm-hmm. I think you're really going to like this one character. And that, um, oh, my gosh, I always forget her name but she does such a good job of like talking to the players individually and like trying to yeah. find them resources like she's she's the real MVP no disrespect to Beamer Dior but she she knows what's going on and like she's oh. special for that
1: oh for sure uh the social worker right
0: yeah who's also like the uh it said like athletic administrative assistant or something like that? Is like her official title yeah but so she,
1: it, she she helps out a ton.
0: Yeah, she's awesome, and um, yeah, you could tell. Uh, Dior was basically the focus of his of this episode with his dad, and like, I I hope you all don't mind, but I'm about to like talk about this. But, his dad, bro, that stuff's messed up. What he was doing, like, that is trauma. Like humiliating his kid, like making him dress up in girl clothes in fifth grade like dude that is that is traumatizing especially like the bullying that probably happened and like for all for him like talking about a girl in fifth grade like bro he's a boy like that's just like what they do and like i don't know obvi like obviously there's a lot of layers to how messed up his dad is but I think the two things that obviously hit the hardest is his dad took him off of the football team his senior year of high school, which is like that that like Dior probably would have went to a college like I I don't know if it'd be like Division One, but maybe like maybe Division One, you know, FCS at the bare minimum, you know, Division Two, definitely he would have got offers like, oh. Yeah because he's just he's super athletic right like we know we know he's a good football player we have visual proof of that and for his dad to take him off of the football team in the most critical year as far as like commitment and signing goes is like that's unforgivable honestly and so like i really
2: it's sabotaging you just straight up call it sabotaging at that point you know he's like trying to sabotage his child's life
0: yeah like he's he straight up he, he's ruining his life honestly so like i i'm totally i totally like understand why dior feels the way he does and why he doesn't want anything to do with it and like also just like the problems that it's causing him like he's reliving his trauma anytime it's like brought up right and like it there's some serious ptsd happening you know in this episode to- like that dior is experiencing you know and i think the worst part about it is that the dad is just like yeah that's the way i raised him and that's how it is it's like what do you mean bro like your kid is homeless because of you like i'm just straight up gonna say your kid is homeless because of you you kicked him off of you kicked him off of the football team you kicked him out of your house and then you got him a bus ticket so that he had to spend christmas eve and christmas alone Like, yeah, his dad is the most foul, one of the most foul people I've ever heard, like, defend their sociopathic and sadistic actions, like, ever. And it's, and it's unpunished, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I understand why Dior plays with that chip on his shoulder, but, like, yeah, that's really messed up, and then, like, you know, obviously it's tough for him to talk about it right like we see him struggle even with like the professionals in the show whether it's beam's wife who is is a sweetheart by the way like she's uh she's really Careful, funny cody she's married bro i'm just <laughs> chill, <laughs> no, chill chill, chill. I no, you, I, no I just you. i'm just saying she's super nice and like uh she's so funny like when beam and her are talking she's like oh you're so bad like that that makes that cracks yeah. me up and like in like the you know nice old lady kind of sense but and then you know it's hard for Dior to talk about it and yet we see the one of the biggest problems facing like football and sports today is just like the lack of awareness of mental health inside the locker room like they're giving Dior such a hard time He's like oh no I can't breathe from my chest I'm I'm stressed out because You know and they're like mocking him for it it's like obviously he's not gonna want to share with you guys like they say family on three all the time but like there's some serious lack of coordination and like you know what i'm saying like there's not a lot of unity happening right now so yeah that that those were some big things that jumped out to me as far as like mental health and the game of football and like for dr's story like i was just like damn you know what i'm saying yeah i mean
1: absolutely and you know we've been talking a really long time about talking about the football culture when it comes to mental health so maybe this is that episode because um like this playmakers corner episode that we do it because there was a lot here because you it was funny that you mentioned that scene because... I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, I mean, Cody, you obviously have playing experience as well. So you know how it's like, right? But... It's kinda... Like, when I saw that scene... I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Like, that was a scene that... I mean, like, it stood out to me because of the context... That was put in beforehand with Dior... And everything going on in him having, like... A panic attack or something, like, during practice. Right? But if it was to happen at any other time without that context it would almost seem normal because that's how football culture is right like dudes be giving and maybe not just football culture but um, the culture of males in today's success the culture of males in today's society when it comes to toxic masculinity but you know you kind of just joke around like that you kind of just joke around about like. Oh, my, like, you know, he's having a, in quotation marks, a panic attack. Why don't you just suck it up, like, type of thing? Like, why don't you just be a man? Why don't you just be a man about it? This is football. Like, you shouldn't be complaining. You should just be hitting somebody because apparently hitting somebody, like, solves every single problem in the world, including world hunger. As long as you hit somebody, it works out, type of thing, you know? And that's football culture the culture of, I gotta be a toxic male overly toxic and masculine to, to gain respect for anything, to have respect for anything. Cause if I don't, if I show a little bit of weakness, then especially if it is a mental thing, and especially if it's not something that you could physically see, then you're weak and you're not an actual, like, you know, adult and you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not cool. You, you ain't, you ain't tough like that. You ain't cold like that. And that's something yeah. that, It's very apparent in, I'm just going to be honest, pretty much every locker room in America or at least every football locker room in America, it could apply to other sports as well, but football, especially like, I'm just going to be honest. This is a normal thing, you know, for people to be making fun of each other. It, It doesn't make it okay. I'm just saying that it's a very normal thing that honestly, most football players will let it fly under the radar, you know? yeah like would you agree Cody sorry I just cut you off but would you agree that that's like a pretty normal thing
2: well absolutely let's not use the term normal let's use the term um, yeah it's a common thing it's not normal you know
1: oh see but it is normal because it happens all the time like as of right it shouldn't be normal right but it's a very common thing that has become normalized as as football has maybe not developed as the As a sport has lasted as long as it has, you know? So, like, the longer that it... be, Let me get it together. The longer that this is the standard, the more ingrained it becomes. And we're in... I mean, I don't know, bro, but... You know, football has been around since the 1800s, but... We're in year 100 plus when it comes to this. So...
0: Absolutely. And, like... I would never feel safe in a football environment having like a panic attack or having like an an anxiety attack like oh i i that's not a, a conducive environment to have that kind of um you know to have that crisis that crisis going on and that's messed up right because like you know as football all the time is preaching like these are your brothers right you know like This is your family this is like a home for you but like if you can't feel the way that you need to feel or like if you can't have like a health problem right then that's pretty jacked up and something else that i think even echoes the sentiment that we're talking about is dior at the end of the episode is like yeah i don't believe in therapy i believe in making plays to make myself feel better and it's like bro you are going through a mental health crisis right now and you're still going to refuse to believe that 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 it's like a real thing like it's physically impacting you and like that's just
2: how deep it is
0: you know what i'm saying
2: yeah i mean sure what what happens if he doesn't make the plays you know what
0: frustration builds
2: yeah what if what happens when he starts not being able to make the plays that's how you end up becoming a failed human being
1: that's true as well yeah yeah no i mean both of y'all are absolutely right like and like i shoot i can't even tell you how many times i've experienced this but i mean this and this goes beyond you know just the culture this goes into identity of individual players as well but it's because football uh, sorry it's because football culture encourages this kind of identity of the tough football player of the football player that you know, you're not a real one until you play through a bunch of injuries or a bunch of problems, including mental health problems. And so that scene you're talking about, Cody, is pretty much the epitome of football culture when it comes to mental health, because here we see a guy that is obviously struggling like this, like not just mentally, but physically it's starting to weigh on him because his chest is tight and he ain't feeling right. And, you know, this is the funny thing. Because we all saw, we all saw in that last game how free Dior played, how electric he was and how just great he was in general. He played a complete game, right? But notice how once his dad, an extremely toxic person in his life came into the picture, just how much worse Dior played. Because in that West Hills game, well that team was 0-3, they sucked and they still suck so hard against them until the very end and i'm not going to spoil the rest of the season but you can visibly see as the season dragged along just how tight dior was playing he was not playing free at all and honestly it's it's sad to say it but you know that last game that blowout game that dior played at quarterback was probably one of the last times dior ever played free um in this season at least at least in my opinion and it's very apparent just how he carries himself how how much more I guess explosive he is like you know like he he had a lot of patience before right and he had I mean he still has the mentality he still has the mentality of like okay I'm gonna go get it done but the patience is a lot lower and the frustrations level frustration level is a lot higher and that's because of his dad And that's because of what he did and that's also because of i mean obviously i think my opinion coach beam understands that a lot of kids go through mental health stuff and that they're never gonna play as free as they can until they you know get their mental health right and actually live a balanced a balanced life so i think coach beam understands that but his players his assistant coaches too to be honest and then some of the family members around his players or who support you know around his players don't understand like coach beam does and if i'm being frank you know coach beam doesn't have the time and you know it's sad but he doesn't have the time to mentor 150 different players for more than five minutes a day even that even that's stretching it you know he's one guy so and like, obviously, he's going to try to put out a culture of family and being open and transparent. But if not, everyone's buying in <coughs> RJ, then forget that, because you're just going to default back to the football culture that has in that has been in place for the last 100 plus years. So that's that. Um, and that's and that's a really big deal. Now, and honestly, this mental health with football culture and all that is not going to get fixed anytime soon if i'm being honest it takes a real solid coaching staff and support system to make it happen because on it and here i'm gonna go on a rant i'm sorry y'all. i'm going on a rant you know and i kind of yeah, already fine. have been on a rant you know but you know, coaching staff like they could be you know some of the most aware mental health type of guys or girls out there you know they could be aware of their players emotional levels their stability all that stuff right And they could preach that they could preach like hey we're always here we got you we got you we got you but the second that player goes like leaves that environment and goes anywhere else the culture and the stereotypes and the tradition all that stuff from the outside world starts weighing in you know and they start you know saying like well hold up you know why are you complaining so much about your mental health why don't you just go make the play Why don't you just go out there and make the tackle? Why don't you just go play a game? You know, like, why don't you just make it happen? But what they fail to understand is that, you know, and this is for all human beings and anything that a person got to do, but to work efficiently and to work efficiently at a high level, you have to be balanced, you know, and honestly, most people aren't mentally balanced and that's okay. You know, because everyone has a ways to go and everyone has different experiences, but See, that's just, that's just what society is going to consistently put on these players, even when they are in a good situation, you know? So, yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Like, is what do you think, Cody or Liam?
2: No, you're not wrong. Like at all. Cody?
0: <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. I was just processing it, but... Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, and things got to change, like, on a wide scale, you know, for the these same things to stop happening.
1: Absolutely. And, look, I don't want to complain about all that stuff, so I'll go ahead and throw out the first step for things to change. Um, it has to be acceptable to talk about it. That's True. That's not even like, look, that's like the bottom line of things, you know? And that's, that's something that's doable. It's just hard to do, but it has to be acceptable to talk about things like this. Not just among like us. Cause Cody, like obviously you and me, we're reflecting on this as football players played. So Our career is over. you know? So it's more important that us as coaches and coaches everywhere, you know, make it more acceptable to talk about this with their teams without it feeling weird without it feeling like like oh wow this is just really awkward but you know I'm gonna just do this little you know in quotation marks mental health seminar and you know that's my contribution to changing football culture like no like you gotta get deep with it Mm -hmm. excuse me absolutely yeah you gotta get deep with it you know you gotta really talk to kids and you know like really know what they're going through and not just sympathize with them and here is shout out to, you know, my professional development here in the, my school district. But <laughs> you got to you got to empathize. You got to literally do your best to feel what a kid is going through. Feel the pain. I'm going to tell you right now, feeling pain isn't going to feel good by any means. It's something that you got to face as a human being. And first off, you know, don't face it if you're not in a good spot yourself. But you got to face it with the kid and truly understand that yo this kid is feeling stressed out this kid is feeling frustrated and they're feeling this type of frustrated and stressed out and mad and angry and hurt and all that you know like you can't really generalize it like you gotta you gotta know you know and so like i said it just starts with talking about it um but anyways let's get (laughs) let's get back to the actual episode you know um Cause that was a big part of it, but you no, know, there was a game that was played and well, actually there, sorry. Okay. Before we get to the game, there are a couple other things that stood out. So Dior, you know, obviously he stood out Um, and kind of wanted to talk about new for a little bit. So it kind of showed what he was going through as a single father. Right. And I'm pretty sure new, new, he still has some, you know, well, some mental health, emotional stuff because of the stress that's on him. Uh, with his
0: family and whatnot. Well, he's right? not a he's not a single father.
1: Sorry. Okay, my bad, my bad. He isn't a single father, but that sorry, that's not what I meant. I meant like in this episode, it show it kind of showed what it was like to be a single father to a de- to a degree because his wife is working a ton, right? And not only working, but she's going to school as well, you know, so she could start her own uh, business and whatnot, and she is also the breadwinner of the family as well so for new you know it kind of i feel like you know there are most definitely times where he does have to take care of his kids and whatnot so he's not a single father father by any means right but there are definitely you know points throughout the season where you know you you kind of gotta he kind of has to be on his own right like he has to balance football school his kids like there, this is the what is what episode is this the third one yeah i want to say this is the third straight episode where he's brought his kids to school or to practice or it might be the second time or it is okay cool that's hard you know like i can't even imagine like first off this dude is 19 or maybe he's 20 whatever but i can't even imagine me one or two years ago first off trying to well okay i'm already on the team but trying to make a better opportunity not for me but for other people as well you know because like you know anybody can make a decision for themselves but when you get to the point where you're making decisions that will directly impact other people that weight hits different you know what i mean like it's not just about you because every failed play you make is a failed play that you made and this is just me empathizing, but it's a failed play that you made essentially for your family. You know, at least that's how it feels. It feels like, uh, like, shoot, like, maybe I'm not putting them in the best, you know, position because I'm not playing as well. And I feel like that's where Nuu is kind of, is kind of at, you know? Like, he feels like he has to do all of these things and pull his own weight. And it's, you know, look, it's not... You know, obviously when there are two people in a relationship, it feels, you know, it feels kind of some type of way when one person is pulling all the weight financially. And I guess from a future standpoint as well, you know, it makes you feel like you're almost useless to a degree. Like you're just like, well, what are you doing? You know, like that type of thing, if that makes sense. Right.
0: Yeah. And you see him wrestle with that as far as like, if I just got a job, then money wouldn't be an issue. Anyways, yeah, I also want to talk about new, um, bro. He literally can't go to class sometimes because like his kids aren't allowed in. You can yeah. tell that like his family has so much more to work through to even get close to the same position as other people. There's <laughs> so much going against them. And the fact that they like don't have money for food, like a lot of time is like that. People don't want to admit how real that is, right? Oh. Like, people will be like, no, I don't support food stamps. And then just turn a blind eye to stories like Nuu, where him and his wife are going to sc- school, working the equivalent of full-time jobs, Nuu playing football, not getting paid for it. And his wife working 40 hours a week and going to school, and they have two kids to take care of. like, And, and they're, they're doing everything right. And people will still be like yeah but they don't deserve like help from the government like bro they're playing the game your way so like i don't know that that is kind of what that reminded me of um oh for sure from like a a story perspective
1: yeah but no for sure i mean i totally get that and as somebody who is part of a family that was on food stamps for a pretty significant amount of time like i can't tell you the relief it is to finally visit the food bank or whatever, you know, and have those, especially if you have a family, like, obviously I didn't have a family, but I was a part of one, you know, for a pretty significant amount of time. And those are lifesavers, honestly. Um, like, oh my gosh, like the relief. (laughs) When you finally like, you know, like you get to visit again, it's like, like, it's good. (laughs) Like it's good, man. Like it's good. And so, i mean i don't understand people that are against that either but you no know, he's trying to make it work and you know shout out to um we i have to find her name but shout out to the lady that was helping him out and you know um uh, figuring that out for him as well because you know he is a kid so like it's not like he knows everything about how you know food stamps and that stuff works as well but yeah and also like look i get how the professor said that no this isn't a daycare and you can't allow kids in but that definitely rubbed me the wrong way because I'm gonna just be honest he definitely skipped class like if I was given you know the like if I was given those options I'd be like well man I don't care about English like straight up like I don't care about English like I care about my family you know and I want them to have a better future but if you're not gonna let me have my kids there then all right, see ya I'd rather skip class than you know leave my kids unsupervised that's it but yeah, yeah, anyways, that just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know about y'all.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Liam, what What did you think of Niu's story, and especially in regards to the uh, professor not letting kids in to the class?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a load of crap. You know, it's not... Like Simon said, you know, do you want me to go to English and leave my... Or do you know Do you want me to leave, go to English And leave my children unsupervised Where anything could happen to them Yeah Or do you want me to skip class It's a lose-lose scenario Right? For everybody involved Yeah Because New's still pl- He's still paying for, for classes or he's still paying I'm sorry He's still paying for classes So I've... I don't know it's it's not fair to him it's not fair to anybody and i understand that it's just maybe quote unquote just a community college
1: oh still um, uh,
2: yeah but it doesn't matter oh for sure
1: i i could kind of understand maybe a university like a higher of education but a community college like bro I I, I, i went to community college and we've had plenty of kids in our classes just go be honest why can't you you know
2: for sure
1: so i don't don't know man i just just run me the wrong way uh but yeah i don't think i i'm so i'm looking through my notes just to make sure i got everything i got are y'all good as i look through
0: um i just wanted to note that the defense finally made some plays in this last game and uh yes yes. it was really nice to see especially after uh rajon was like getting into it with coach beam and like you know i feel like the they talked about like the hype definitely going to his head and i think that that's true um Mm -hmm. but they finally made some plays on the defensive side of the ball so that was something
1: yeah rajon definitely produced that one-handed interception first off that's an impressive play either way like oh my god that was tactical as heck when he just snagged that out of the air with his fingers too like he really didn't even palm it like that so that's impressive but to do it at the end of the game and to you know just end the game yourself that's why he is one of the best juco corners in america there you go yep a time but he did it (laughs)
0: Liam, did you have anything else to add on to the episode or anything that jumped out to you from episode three of Last Chance You?
2: No, I think we covered it all.
0: Simon?
1: Um, pretty much done. RJ's making more excuses. He keeps saying, I don't care who's the number one, two, or three receiver, but then complains about not getting the ball a ton. So if you're going to complain about not being the one, two, or three receiver, or, or sorry, if you're going to say that, I don't care if I'm the number one or two receiver in his eyes, but then complain about ball or not getting enough, you know, looks, then, then that means you care about being a number one or two or three receiver. So there you go. That's it.
0: Cool. And we'll talk about RJ Moore on the next episode of both the Playmakers corner podcast and when we watch episode four it's in the description of the episode so thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to find out continue finding us on spotify app pod no apple podcast google podcast as well as anchor and youtube we are on instagram twitter and facebook and Once again, if you know anybody whose film you would like us to watch, critique, and review, please send it in. And if you have anybody who would like to speak about their personal experiences, whether that was in JUCO or any other form of high school up-and-coming amateur sports, let us know. I'm Cody Stoffer.
1: I'm Coach V. I'm
0: Liam Hughes. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace. (laughs)